Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot.net. Everything I learned about the first lockdown. Hello, you're very welcome to this special episode of If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis. This is a special episode of a recording of uh, a talk I gave at the ASAG uh, conference um, on everything I learned about the first lockdown as a school leader and as a person who would have given uh, a number of pro- uh, professional development um, sessions to um, the majority of school principals around the country. Um, you'll have to excuse uh, the sound quality uh, as this is just a recording from a Zoom conference and uh, is just part of that particular uh, conference itself. Um, I recommend you listen to the full thing on the ASAG YouTube channel um, and um, if you want to watch this live as well uh, it is also on uh, their YouTube channel so you can actually see my slides. Anyway I hope you enjoy it and uh, please get in touch with any questions simon at onshaw.net and we'll chat to you in our next episode. Thanks so much, uh, Claire, for the lovely introduction, and 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 thank you very much to ISAG for inviting me uh, to uh, present to you. Um, I feel a little out of my depth, to be honest with you, um, because although I um, uh, possess a, a degree in science, uh, this may be the most unscientific uh, presentation you'll ever see. Um, I am just going to share my screen, um, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to see that, and uh, it'll be okay for you. Um, uh, just uh, to give you a little bit of a background, uh, I, I tick a few boxes. Uh, I, I'm a principal who uh, was probably one of those 50 odd percent who found uh, the first lockdown horrific. Um, I'm a parent who would have been more on the side of uh, the uh, parent who said, I don't know how people do this. How do teachers do what they do? And um, and and um, I guess I'm a teacher as well by, by, by qualification. Um, I've... Um, I spent, um, I suppose, when schools were closed down, uh, the school buildings were closed down uh, in the middle of March. Um, the day, uh, the day the announcement came out, I set up um, a site uh, to basically get teachers together to to try and collaborate to try and get through this. And and essentially, um, I realised very quickly that everybody was um, in a state of panic and uh, particularly my colleagues, my principal colleagues. So um, I've been, uh, uh, my school have been, I suppose, engaging in some form of uh, bits of remote learning for about three or four years. Uh, we've been using uh, Google Classroom and, and well, we were, and uh, more recently Seesaw um, and Class Dojo and others uh, for about four years for, for homework. Um, obviously we were in school, but we were also doing, we, we, we threw out our homework journals about four years ago and uh, moved to a kind of more uh, blended and uh, flipped learning model. Um, and um, in a way that was about the only qualification I had uh, to be able to offer a little bit of help and advice um, to my colleagues. So I decided on a, on a Monday uh, to email uh, the Irish Primary Principal Network to um, offer um, a webinar. And on Tuesday evening, I gave that webinar and 1,400 principals signed up to it, um, which um, I suppose to me um, showed that, that, that this was uh, this is going to be a very, very difficult time. 
Now, um, I, I spent the, the next five, five or so months of, of, of working with uh, principals, school leaders and teachers, uh, training uh, with ideas and sharing ideas and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my background. Um, I'm, I know I'm very, very uh, short on the clock. So I suppose I, I, I said I, the best thing I would do is maybe to tell you everything I learned about teaching in the first lockdown um, as quickly as possible. Um, and, you know, as, as luck would have it, it there it is. Um, so thank you and goodbye. No, no, I'll, I'll do a little bit more than that. It, but it doesn't really work um, for for anyone particularly. Um, and I think just saying that to me, uh, even saying that the first time I realised that, it was quite empowering in a way because we can't replace school with remote learning. If we could, then we should be doing it, you know. And I, I it was something I always, I can't remember who actually said, you know, if a teacher can be replaced by a robot or something like that, then they probably should. Um, I, I or I think it was a computer. I think that's a famous uh, phrase from some, some, someone much cleverer than me. And uh, the same would go for face-to-face uh, -face learning. It can't really be replaced properly with remote learning. And what I've uh, been kind of figuring out is, is some bits of it work quite well, but what doesn't work and what could we learn from our first experience of lockdown, let's say lockdown number one, as uh, we refer to it in, in the trade. Um, I suppose um, there's a lot of things people need for remote learning. This is the busiest slide I have, I promise. And um, I'm not going to read all of these things, but th these are things that teachers need, that uh, school leaders need, that families need um, in order for remote learning to, to even start to happen. Um, you know, I mean, one or two things that jump that might jump out at you. I mean, the, the big one for me is having enough food in your house. And, and in my context, running a, a DASH uh, school, that isn't always the case. I mean, my first, my first priority uh, in first lockdown was to make sure our families got fed because many of our families, their only food, uh, some of the children's food was what they got in school and their school lunches or, um, and, and that would, that's a major thing to disappear. But then in terms of learning, um, I suppose there was, um, you know, last time we didn't have access to textbooks for two months you know and and I know um where the textbooks are uh, uh, are pedagogically not the greatest tool in the world but just to get you started it's a nice little landing space to say look kids you know do the, do this page of a book or whatever and we can talk about it and things like that it's a it's a it's a I suppose a, a um a manipulative that you can use in a way because uh, it, it's something that everybody has but various other things, I mean, and, and Jennifer uh, went through a lot of the things that uh, people said they didn't have access to. Um, and meanwhile, principals were scurrying around trying to ensure they were uh, um, GDPR compliant and, uh, and all the policies were uh, in order and everything else in order to be able to do any of the work that we could while not actually knowing what we were doing. Um, uh, so it, initially, this was all very, very difficult. And um, but... You know, the question, I suppose, is, yes, there's loads and loads of loads and loads of What actually worked the first time is the thing. And I've been pondering on this. And this is where the uh, where you will see real unscience in action here, um, uh, because this is pure feeling and opinion, which are two things I'm sure that you've cherished greatly as scientists. Um, the, the basically, I from what I could gather from uh, the workshops I gave to principals, the thing that worked was everybody was in the same boat the first time we were all overwhelmed we were all afraid and we all agreed that schools had to be closed at that point back in march nobody was saying we need to keep the schools open at all costs we were all petrified of getting this virus and um the other thing that we had as well that worked i feel very well 
was a bit of a novelty effect. We'd never done this before. And what, ni- what, what could be nicer than actually spending a little bit more time with your family, playing school at home uh, for a little while? And I mean that with respect. Um, and, 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 but I mean, for a couple of weeks, at least, you know, that's, that's okay. And I think that kind of got us through the first little while of remote learning there was a lot of forgiveness we had no books we had nothing we, we were basically trying to teach um families how to use things like google classroom or seesaw or class dojo and no and, and having never touched them before and uh, i mean we almost became like internet technical support uh uh groups for the first while but there was a lot of patience and a lot of uh goodwill and um and, and actually there were times where it was lovely um for for many families where um uh, the sun was shining and um it was you know a lot of a lot of nice things but really by may uh, most engagement dropped and in many cases the learning stopped and while that's not just a terrible poem that's actually what was happening we've started we've started to see that um engagement generally uh, generally began to to, to go down and we I found myself and my homeschool liaison teacher and uh, our school completion program worker found herself making more and more and more phone calls to families just to make sure that they were engaged and okay and still around and, and most of the reaction was oh look sure look we're just doing our own thing now and uh, you know Ashley you're only doing revision now you know that kind of there was a you know I am to giving up um, in a way the novelty had sort of worn up worn off but I wasn't really interested in those families that much. It was the families, I suppose, for me, vulnerable families. Learning often never started at all. And a large percentage of our of our families weren't able to begin uh, to access the learning. Um, families, uh, and for various reasons, um, whether that was uh, through poverty, whether that was through, um, I suppose, uh, atmosphere at home, or, or, or what was uh, the, the structure of home, or lack of structure at home, or if children had additional needs where they weren't able to access um, an online on, online learning, and then of course uh, access to, to digital devices. Most families have access to the internet, but we found that while about 90% or 90 odd percent of children had access to devices, that way went way down to 50% when you excluded phones. Um, you know, most people were trying to access their education on a phone, on a shared phone, and that was very, very difficult. Um, so, I mean, I feel, um, you know, that this, this was a, a large section of society that got forgotten about um, in, in lockdown one. Um, and um, I suppose, I'm just going back to that slide I had about what people need for remote learning. You know, in this lockdown, I suppose we've had five. We had five months of of learning a lot, and uh, as someone said, build, uh, fly, it was flying the plane while we're building it. Um, we had um, we we were relying on if this was ever to happen again, and I I, I suppose we were caught in the hop again. Uh, that all of this stuff would be in place, and unfortunately, and uh, and and I'm I can be quite cynical and, and quite harsh, but I don't I think I'm being fair. The only thing that's changed this time around is this: this is what children will have access to. For, we can guarantee the rest we can't guarantee, and that's quite worrying. The whole thing about remote learning is it can't be done on the cheap. Um, if we are going to have to do remote learning, um, you know, if we're in the situation on and off, on and off for the next few months. Unfortunately, we can't do it for free. And this is the total amount of money that um, uh, schools have been given for remote learning specifically, not for reopening school, but for uh, openings uh, for remote learning. And I'm not just saying, uh, uh, and, and that's not to be over dramatic or anything like that. When I say almost, um, a, a small amount of money was uh, given 
to schools uh, to uh, purchase devices for children uh, who may not have access. I work in a 400 pupil school. I got 600 euro, just to put it into context. Um, and um, so I, I, I feel I was closer to zero than, um, than, 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 I, than, than I suppose what figures might be coming out. Look, to me, to me, the conclusion is that nothing has really changed um, since, uh, since lockdown one. We have a little bit more knowledge. We hate it a lot more than we did the first time the novelties run off. But all that aside, it's the vulnerable children who, who, um, who are, are, are not going to be able to access this learning again. So the same problems are going to happen. The gap is going to remain wide and can become wider again. And, and that is problematic. Fine, a lot of children will survive this fine. I'm lucky, uh, my son is lucky, he lives in the same, uh, in, a, in a family where we can give him a, 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 what, what we can give him and, he, and he'll be okay. But I'm aware of the 60% families in my school, for example, and across the country, uh, I, I don't know the percentage of disadvantage in Ireland that just will be in the same situation. Again, children with additional needs, forgotten again this time. And these are things that we really need to, um, we need to look at. Uh, the mantra that schools are safe um, is becoming quite tiresome, I think, for everybody. And I suppose there's so many, uh, I, I don't want to be political at all about this, um, but the perception from everybody is, uh, whether it's true or not, is that they aren't. And that's why we're not in them. And we need to stop that sentence. And and uh, I, I saw that uh, uh, people are saying we need to convince schools that they're safe. No, we need to ensure schools are safe um, if, we're, if, we're, if we're to return to them. And for me, the solution lies in a blended approach. Um, now I've done a, I, I, I know I'm very short of time, so I'm not gonna go into too much detail into it, but what it essentially means is who is going to come to school and how often will they come, uh, how often will they come to school? And we have to prioritize, we can't have everybody in school at the moment. Um, I don't know if we can have anybody in school at the moment. Uh, I mean, by the looks of things we, we can't, but when things start to ease off, do we look at children with additional needs? Do we look at children of frontline workers, children of staff members, children with disadvantage? But I could keep that list going and going and going. But as we add more and more layers, it becomes more and more complicated. And again, we have to figure out, you know, how do we make that safe for them to get these variables in? So again, what protections will there be for staff? Again, we we have to provide our own PPE, for example. I mean, so I mean, it's not the be all and end all, but you know, it would help if that was provided for us. Should we be prioritised for vaccinations? I don't know if that if we should, but uh, it's it's a, it's another thing. Should we have a, a situation where there's a maximum number of people per classroom according to the size? And there's loads and loads of variables. And again, it would be dependent on the transmission, I would imagine, in the community of whether whether that's the case. So it's really hard and really complicated. And I don't think schools can do them can can make these decisions on their own. Uh, they they there needs to be guidance from above. Of you know. This is this is this is what we suggest, and maybe schools are given a little bit of autonomy. But all in or all out certainly doesn't work either way. Can it be done? I mean, to me, yes, I think it can, um, but it needs time, planning, and investment. And uh, certainly, telling us uh, the Friday before schools were to open what was going to happen didn't give us time, didn't give us time to plan, and we are certainly not getting any investment uh, to to help us with it. So they're, they're my thoughts. Um, I hope they're okay for you and um, I'll hand you back. Thank you. <laughs>